0: Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now, your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast. This is your host, Pat Bergstresser. Thanks so much for joining us again for another episode of this podcast. Great to have you here. Uh, If you're a first-time listener, this is a podcast where we provide actionable advice to help you get through your military transition from active duty into the private industry, into corporate America, into the civilian workforce. And we take you step-by-step through the process. The first series of podcasts that we did was a resume series so if you haven't written your resume yet or you're looking to clean it up a little bit please check out that series and if you're getting ready for an interview or you know you're going to have to get ready for an interview you've come to the right place because that's the series we're working on here today and this is actually the final episode in the series so if you've been following along we've been talking about how to get ready for the interview how to execute while you're in the interview and today we're going to talk about how to actually close it out and so when you're approaching the end of the interview there are two key things that you don't want to leave on the table uh, in, unless you don't have a choice, and that's asking some questions and actually closing the interview. So in my opinion, having sat on the other side of the table, the most overlooked aspect of the interview process is having prepared questions. A lot of times we get so hyped and prepped for making sure we have all of our stories ready and we know how to answer every question and we've done our, you know, we've done our, our practicing and rehearsing and getting ready to talk about ourselves. But we forget that this is a two-way street. You may think that this job is really great, but then you go in on your on-site interviews and you talk to people and you see that they're not really that stoked about their job. And maybe the office, you know, you just kind of get this vibe that nobody really likes working there, and and maybe start, you start to question it. But if you're so blind to that, because you're so focused on talking about how good you are, and how great you think the job is, and how great you think the company is, you might overlook what's actually going on on the inside. And so it's really important to remember that this whole process is a two-way street. When you're talking with people on site, you know, you want to make sure that you like the person you're interviewing with. Because, if you don't like that part of the first person and then you go and you do a second interview and a third interview, because a lot of times when you go through this interview process, you're going to interview with multiple people on site If you interview with multiple people and you don't like any of them, that should be a red flag, right? More than likely, the people you're interviewing with, you're going to have to work with in some capacity. Like even though they may not be directly in your chain of command when you start, or they may not be on your team, most often they're at least somewhere related to your job. They're not going to be completely unrelated. And so you need to make sure you actually like them. So if you interview with all these people and you don't like them, that's a red flag. And as hard as it is sometimes, you might need to use that as part of your decision to even move forward in the process. And so it's it's really easy to get caught up in the interview, selling yourself and telling them why you're the right person for the job. But don't forget that it's a two way street. And the questions are a way for you to get a little bit more understanding about the job, the role and the people that you're interviewing with. And even if you know that the company is great, the job's great, you already know enough about it and you're completely sold, the questions are a really good way to show why you're the right person for the job because a lot of times those questions can be a way for you to separate yourself from the pack. One of the reasons why you 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 might want to ask these questions is because sometimes things may not, like I mentioned, they may not seem to be as great or they may not be as great as they seem. I remember uh, early on in my career, for those of you who, who haven't, um, who are not familiar with me or haven't read the about page on the website, early on in my career, I got medically disqualified from aviation because I'm colorblind, which is like a whole story. Um, but right about the time that happened, I went to a service academy career conference, which is basically a job fair for service academy graduates. Uh, that was about eight hours away at the time. So me and my buddy who the same thing happened to we both got booted for uh, color vision, we both Booked the job fair last second and went to the service academy conference And I went there just in case, you know, even though I got medically disqualified from aviation um, I was gonna have to request to the navy just to stay in let alone be uh, Admitted into a different community within the navy Ultimately, uh, I was, you know fortunate to get picked up for civil engineering But I went to this conference just in case things didn't work out And I remember while I was there. I stopped by the sears booth like Sears, as you know, the store, the department store, there was probably, I don't know, a couple hundred companies there. But I stopped by their booth and they said, hey, why don't you come to our free lunch uh, where we're going to talk about the company and you can ask us questions and whatever. And I was like, hey, free lunch, like sign me up. And I will tell you after the fact, I don't remember anything about that lunch or anything about Sears. But what I do remember is they invited a lot of other uh, uh, candidates to that lunch, and they got, and there was a whole lot of grilling going on during that lunch. And when I say grilling, I mean candidates grilling Sears. Uh, they were questioning, you know, because at the time, and still to this day, Sears has really been struggling. They're not on an upward traje- trajectory at all. And at that time, they weren't. And everybody was like, "Hey, why the hell should I come work for you? You guys are, have been on that decline since you know the halfway point of the century. People don't go to department stores anymore. You know, at that time, Amazon was starting to boom. It's even bigger than it is, you know, significantly bigger to, today than it was at the time. And Sears has continued to decline. Um, and you know, I never had any intention of working at a distribution center in Ocala, Florida, which is the position they were trying to sell me on. Nothing against Ocala, Florida. Ocala, Florida, if that's where you're from. I actually love Florida. spent I grew up there for a couple of years and whatnot and uh, spent some of my career there. But that just wasn't interesting to me and I ended up getting picked up to stay in the Navy. But the point of the story is they sold me at their booth. They were trying to sell me and everyone else at lunch. And as I watched all these other people who were actually getting out and actually looking for a job seriously, they were grilling Sears be, it, in the, in the, each question was fueling the next one. And they were just getting destroyed throughout this lunch. And I'll never forget it because I was really naive at the time. I wasn't really prepared. I didn't know what I was looking for. But I realized how important it was to ask questions because as they asked more and more prob- probing questions, it became apparent to me and everyone else who wasn't asking questions, okay, maybe I don't want to work at Sears. Maybe it's not that great. Maybe I should have some questions. And, to put you know the the icing on the cake, the guy they were grilling, who hosted the lunch and was a speaker, was a naval academy graduate. So you had fellow squids and fellow service academy graduates grilling a guy who's from the same community as them, because he was trying to sell them on something that that maybe they didn't actually want, and they didn't feel like he was being completely truthful about what it was like at Sears and and whether or not it was a great company to work for. So you know the point of the story is. You need to have questions prepared because sometimes things may not be as great as they're telling you or as great as they initially seem. So let's say you've done your research. You know the company's great. You know the role's great. Or maybe you grill them a little bit and things are great. There's no, and there's no question about it. You don't need to ask questions to make sure that it's something you want. For me that was my situation when I interviewed at Capital One. You know, Capital One is well regarded as a great company to work for and the benefits were good and I had already talked to a lot of people on the inside who, you know, I knew were 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 talented themselves and and I knew that would be honest with me about their experiences there. So I didn't really need them to answer those questions for me and I didn't really need to probe into that. So what I did is I pivoted my questions to the team I was interviewing with. So I work on the credit card fraud team, and that was the, you know, the role I was interviewing for. And the people that were interviewing me specifically were from that team. So while the Q&As were ultimately informative, they were also a way for me to show the people that I was interviewing with that I had done my research, that I wasn't just showing up for the interview and winging it. So what I did in advance is I spent a decent amount of time reading articles about the different types of fraud and how the industry was attempting to tackle those problems and whether their team... What their the approach, their team was taking to solve those problems, and and how Capital One was looking at those issues, and whether they all applied to Capital One or not. You know, I made a decent effort to understand the industry and understand it from a fintech financial services point of view, so that I came in as someone who was legitimately interested in the role and had done my research, and and it enabled a really good conversation because I at least knew a little bit to where the response they gave me, I actually understood a little bit, and we could have a little bit back and forth rather than me just asking question, them giving the answer, and me not really understanding what the answer is. So I don't know if those questions really made the difference, but what I do know is I got the job. So I don't know if that was the difference maker or not, but I know I got the job, and the last company I'd interviewed for, I also asked them similar questions, dug into it a little bit, and I got that job too. So I don't know, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, or maybe it was the difference, or maybe it wasn't, but the bottom line is I got the job. And so when Preparing for interviews, I recommend three having a minimum of three questions in your back pocket, and if you have more, that's great. You know, If you're interviewing and you're just getting really interested and you have all these questions, that's great, but I think you need to have a minimum of three, uh, and one should be about the company, one should be about the role, and one should be about the person you're interviewing with. So when it comes to the company, I personally have two general recommendations. First, if they're public, this is great because you can look up their financials. Now, you don't have to be a financial expert to understand their financials or anything like that. But what it does mean is people who do corporate finance for a living, people who are journalists in this space, are going to be writing articles about how the company is doing. And that is what you read. Uh, generally, the numbers don't lie. And so it's you're going to see a trend in the articles that you read, whether or not a company's doing great, what the controversies are, maybe the shareholders think that they should be going a different direction than they are, you'll just get an idea of what's going on. The only time you're going to see varying opinions and, and uh, you know, a lot of Back and forth over whether or not a company is going in the right direction is in tech and the startup space. So if you're interviewing in tech or you're interviewing for a job in the startup space, that's just risky to begin with. And that's something that you probably already know if you're interviewing in that space. So if you see a lot of sway and opinion in that space as you're reading articles, like don't be surprised. That's just the nature of it. Um, But other than that, you should be able to get an idea of how things are going in that company and how things are looking for the future. The second thing you should do. Is just see what's going on with them in the news. Are there any controversies? Did an executive recently get fired or resign? Are people protesting? Did they recently get ranked on a list that's a great company to work for or a company, you know, a list of, you know, a top 10 company in their industry or something like that? Whatever you find, just take some quick notes of how the company's doing. And if there is some bad news, don't be afraid to ask questions about it. You know, again, going back to the point, like, not only are these questions a way for you to demonstrate you're the right person for the job, but also they're a way for you to understand what's going on with the company. And the person you're speaking with isn't like the public affairs officer or anything like that, Um, but they work there. And so they're going to have somewhat of an opinion on what's going on. Um, And there's nothing wrong with asking about that, if anything. It just shows you're legitimately interested in the job. And, and it's a way to kind of inform the person interviewing you that, hey, you're not just some chump who will do anything for the job. Like you actually are trying to make sure it's the right role. And that's a good thing. The second question should be about the role specifically, and more than likely, you're not going to know a whole lot about the role early on in the process because you are coming from the military. Uh, for those of you who are coming, who are listening, coming straight out of the military, um, so you may not know. Uh, you know, a lot of times when they hire veterans, they know that there's a bit going to be a little, little bit of a learning curve because you're coming. Uh, generally, you're changing. You know, you're you're even if you go from active duty to the defense industry, you're still going to have to take some time to learn the job. So you're not necessarily going to know a whole lot about the role, but it's totally fine to keep it general and just based off what you're able to discover using Google. So when I was interviewing, like I mentioned, I you know, I didn't know anything about fraud, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know that I'd be working on synthetic identity fraud specifically, but I just researched fraud in general in the financial services industry and tried to find a little bit about uh, what was going on in the fraud industry within credit cards. And like I mentioned earlier on, there's plenty of articles talking about all of this and what the latest startups were doing to try to combat fraud. And I knew that if a startup's trying to do something, Capital One's probably trying to mimic that as well so that the startup doesn't knock them off, or maybe they're going to end up acquiring a startup. So I just tried to to understand what was going on in the space because these are the types of problems that they were working through every day. And I wanted to be at least somewhat informed and sound like I had done some research and was genuinely interested in not just getting the job, but actually performing the job. And since it was an analytical role, I tried to ask some questions about how analysts went about analyzing these problems and what types of data were they working with and how did they analyze it and uh, what you know what are the core competencies of a successful business analyst and you know you know if I were to be in that role what what would the things that I would need to be focused on to kind of get to the next level and become a really strong analyst now going into it, you know, unless you're interviewing for like senior executive roles, which generally is not the case for people coming straight out of the military, they're not going to expect you to be an expert in whatever role you're interviewing with. But through a little bit of research, you can learn enough about the industry and enough about the role to ask questions that are genuinely interesting to you. Remember, ask questions that are actually interesting because if you come off as a robot or you're asking questions just because you're supposed to, it's actually going to do you more harm than good. So make sure you actually have generally interesting questions and make sure you're interested in the job. If you're not interested in the job, maybe you shouldn't be interviewing for it um but through a little bit of research you should be able to find some broad general uh industry trends and 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 allow that to develop some some decent questions. The third question should be geared towards the interviewer. Now earlier on in this series I talked about how LinkedIn creeping is totally acceptable and not creepy. And when I say LinkedIn creeping what I mean is, you know, people who <laughs> people who creep on Facebook, nobody knows they're creeping. Um if you're just like looking up, you know, someone that you think is Hot or someone that you know that you just want to creep on or whatever, nobody knows on Facebook that you're looking at their profile. On LinkedIn, the default setting is they do know that you're looking at them. However, if I am going into an interview and I see the person on my interviewing schedule, like if I'm the interviewer and I see before I go interview them, that they were looking at my LinkedIn profile the night before. If anything, that's a good signal because it shows me they're trying to do their research. They're trying to understand a little bit more about me so that as we're having this this conversation, they can ask me questions directly about myself or they can at least better understand the perspective that I've had, how long I've been at the company, you know, stuff like that. So even if you are LinkedIn creeping and they know that's not a bad thing at all, I will say in the settings in LinkedIn, and we'll talk about this on a later podcast, there are ways to set your settings to where they don't know that you looked at your their profile. Um, and it's pretty easy to figure out. You can Google it. But at the end of the day, even if you don't change that setting and they see you're creeping, it can honestly be a good thing. If you don't know who you're interviewing with, do not hesitate to reach out to the HR point of contact that you've been coordinating with or the recruiter or whoever has been your point of contact throughout the interview process and ask them if they know who you're interviewing with. Because if they do know, they'll be more than happy to tell you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, So don't be afraid to ask. Now, as you're creeping, not everybody is going to have a LinkedIn profile, and that's totally okay. If they don't have it, they don't have it, you know, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's not the end of the world. But if they do have a LinkedIn profile, it may not necessarily be up to date. However, if you think about it, that might not be a bad thing. Maybe they've been at the company for 20 years, everything's great, and they have no reason to update it. But a lot of times, even if they don't have a completely filled out profile, you can still generally see maybe where they went to college, where they're from originally, Um, maybe a little bit about what they do at the company. There's usually, maybe they're a member of a few different groups. Maybe they put one of their certifications on there. Just do your your research and see what you can find. Because even on the limited profiles, you can usually find something that's worth looking into or, or something that's worth taking note of. The point here is to look for anything interesting that you can garner. And specifically something that you have in common with them or some sort of personal connection so that you can take advantage of that during the interview. Any way to personally connect with the interviewer is always a significant bonus because a major aspect of the interview is if they like you. You know, we've mentioned in several of the previous episodes of this series, you know, one of the things that people will go by is would I spend a four-hour layover with this person on a business trip? Like, would I enjoy that four-hour labor having lunch at a restaurant at the airport or a beer or whatever? And the reason they ask themselves that question when they're talking about people is because they need to like who they work with. And so if you ask a personal question, and they're not super probing, like how many kids do you have and how old are they? And like really weird questions like that. Like, But if you can ask personal questions and kind of get them a little bit off the topic of work, a lot of times the interviewers will brighten up because now they get to talk about something that's really important to them. Maybe they coach their kid's softball team and you do too, or maybe you're both from the same state, or maybe you both traveled to Japan one time and you both thought it was really cool and you love Japanese food. Like whatever the case is, a lot of times, like when I would do this, I would see people's faces kind of light up because now they get to talk about something that's really cool to them. And so, Remember, the point of the interview is not to hang out with your bro or your buddy or whatever. The point of the interview is to talk about the job, but at the end, if you can end it on a really nice personal note for a minute or two talking about something that you have in common, that's a really, really, really good thing, and it's going to help them remember you later in the day when they're talking about all the other candidates they've been interviewing and whether or not they like you and they want to hire you. Now, having said all of this, don't feel restricted to keep your questions to only three. I mean, it's no, by no means a requirement. I'm just saying it's what, it's what has worked for me in the past. And it's a structured way to make sure you're preparing for the interview with the right mindset, there were certainly interviews where I only had 3 questions and there were others where I had 15. The point is you're trying to show your interest in the company and show through those questions you ask that you're the best candidate. You know, it, like I said, part of the reason you ask questions is to understand the role better, but the other reason you ask those questions is to show and demonstrate through the types of questions that you ask that you're the right person for the job. You may get to the interview and never ask a question. I've sat in multiple interviews where candidates never got the opportunity to ask me one or I was interviewing and I never got the the opportunity to ask a question and that's totally fine. A lot of times that just means the conversation is going really well and you just never got to it or just wasn't natural because what you don't want to do is like awkwardly cut off the conversation and be like, I have to make sure I get these questions in. You know, that's just weird. Like if it's going really well, it's going really well. Don't feel the need to like push through and make you, make sure you ask your three questions. I know that can be really military way of approaching things is like the super structured approach, but remember, not only are they evaluating you as a candidate, but they're also evaluating you as a person and you need, you know, like I've said a million times, they need to like you and if you're awkward, they're going to lose that connection, so don't be awkward. The whole point of this topic is that a lot of times at the end of the interview, they're going to ask you Do you have anything else for us? Do you have anything for me? Whatever. And it's just another opportunity... To, to show that you're the right person for the job. That's the whole point here, right? Like, yeah, you want to ask the interview questions, but a lot of times you're at the end. You already know whether you like the job or not. If you don't like the job, be like, hey, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm not asking any questions. But if, if, it, if, if it still confirms something you want to do and you're even more and more excited about it, make sure you ask those questions. If you have the time for it, don't be awkward. Um, and make sure that those questions ultimately just show that you're the right person for the job. Now, one thing I'll say, and I've seen this actually happen in interviews that I've been conducting, people want to make sure they ask their questions because they were told they need to have questions, and then they awkwardly pull out their notepad and they read the questions off to me. That, to me, is the opposite of genuine interest. If you're really interested in the job, you're going to have questions and you're going to remember those questions because you're generally interested. If you can't remember them off the top of your head, unless you think you can be really smooth about it. And it isn't going to be awkward for you to pull out your notepad. I had a guy one time say, hey, you know, I really uh, had a few questions. I want to make sure I answer, uh, you know, I asked, do you mind if I pull out my notepad? And of course, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. But in my head, I'm like, if, if you're really interested, I feel like you would remember them or at least one of them. And again, I think he just felt like he just had to ask the questions because he was supposed to do that. And that's what he was coached to do. And I don't know that he was really genuinely interested in the job. And so again, you're trying to convince them that you're interested in the job, that you're the right person for the job. And if you don't remember the questions, at least try to remember one. I mean, I think pulling out your notepad or your phone or whatever to check and make sure you ask all your questions, that's just kind of awkward and I don't recommend it. So now that you're towards the end of the interview, remember you might go through this interview and you might be asking questions as you go along. It might not be at the end of the interview. But a lot of times, if you haven't had the opportunity to ask questions as you're going through the interview, you know, like I mentioned, at the end of the interview, they'll say, hey, do you have anything for us? Do you have any questions, anything we can answer? And that's where you ask those questions. But before you leave that room, you have to make sure you close. Think about this. There's two types of people that interview and which one they're going to remember. The person who says thanks for interviewing me and then walks out the door, or the person who says thanks, explains briefly why they're really interested in the role and that they really enjoyed the conversation, that they'd be a great fit, and then they walk out. They're always going to remember the latter. They're going to remember the person who closed. And so remember the ABCs of the interview, always be closing. Now, some of you who may watch The Office, I'm a big fan of The Office. That's what Michael Scott says. The ABCs of sales is to always be closing. The ABCs of of, of the interview is to always be closing as well. Now, when you think about this, the person who is interviewing you generally doesn't have the unilateral ability to hire you on the spot. And even if they do, they're not going to do that. Even if they're the CEO of the company, they're not going to hire you on the spot. So don't be awkward about it and ask them like, directly, can I have the job? That's really weird and kind of unprofessional and a little bit naive to think that they would even do that. So don't do that. Here's how you want to convey yourself when you're closing, that you want the job, you're the right person for the job, and you're interested in moving forward in the process. That last step is really how you make sure that they know that you want the job and you want to continue continue on. Um, The best way to start this process is to thank them for the interview. Obviously, they had to be there as part of their schedule for the day. But a lot of times, these people, they volunteer to sit down and, and do the interviews like a Capital One You volunteer to sit through these power days where, you know, in my space as an analyst, you go down and conduct analyst interviews, which are case interviews, and you give up half of your day. And a lot of times these are senior people who have a lot of other more important things they could be doing. They still have to get their job done. So they're kind of giving away four hours just to be a part of the interview process. So make sure you thank them. It's it's a little, it's always going to be a little bit contrived because like, yeah, it's their job. They have to be there, but it's always a good way to start it off. And, you know, just mention that, you know, that they're really busy And you just appreciate them spending some time with you to discuss the role. Now, after this you need to tell them that after all this conversation that you're actually interested in the role. Remember, they're not in your head. You might be thinking your whole time, oh man, this is awesome, I'm so excited about it, I can't wait to like, get to this job, I really hope I get it, I hope I'm crushing it. They can't hear any of that that's going on in your head and more than likely, you're probably smiling, you, you know, you're probably giving off a good vibe, but you wanna make sure that they know you want the job. Like, they don't know that you want the job and everybody they interview that day, they don't know what's in their head either. So you need to make sure they know that you want the job. So a good way to convey this is is saying something to the effect of after having an opportunity to learn more more about the role through the questions that you asked and the things that they told you, you're very interested in the role and you could see yourself excelling in it. And then then after you make that point, you want to quickly transition into why you're the right person for the job. Earlier on when we were talking about success and failure stories uh, and using those stories as a way to answer questions in the interview... One of the aspects we mentioned is every time you tell a success or failure story, you want to tie it back to a trait about yourself that makes you a standout candidate. Maybe you're resilient. Um, maybe you're the comeback kid. Maybe uh, you're always a subject matter expert. You're just really good at, at learning a process or a detail and, and making sure that it's 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 executed and followed through completely. You want to take those same attributes that you discussed in the interview and tie those back into the end of the interview. And use those again, reiterate those again. This will make you look really, really clean and professional if you can do this. Use those as a way to demonstrate why you're the right person for the job. You can say, you know, hey, earlier on, I told the story about this time that I helped this person out. And I really thought it was a great demonstration of, you know, this attribute. And I think this attribute about me is a really good attribute to have in this role. And I think it would make me successful in this role. If you can kind of close that loop and bring it back, you're really going to show this person that you're really thinking about it the right way. You've got a good mindset and you're just really focused on on the role. So if you can do that, tie it back in, but at the end of the day, what you need to focus on is letting them know why you're the right person for the job and do it in a way that's quick and concise and tying it back to those traits is a really, really good way to do it. Lastly, you need to let them know directly that you're interested in moving forward in the process. That's really the close. Like, you don't say, can I have the job, because that's really weird, and that might be what you see in the movies and TV, but that's not how it works in real life. Typically, at the end of an on-site interview, you've interviewed with multiple people throughout the day, and at the end of the day, they all get together and discuss you and any other candidates that they were interviewing with and decide who they're going to make an offer to, or who won, or who they like, or whatever the case is, however the company does it. And so nobody that you're interviewing with has the ability or the authority to like shake your hand and be like, yeah, you got it, Like, here's your offer. Uh, and, and even if they did, even if it's a CEO in the comp- of the company, they're not going to do that, right? They're going to go back and they're going to think about it. They're going to talk about it. And if they're going to send you an offer, they'll usually do it within a week or two of interviewing. But what you do want to convey is that the more you've learned, uh, about the, the job, the more interested you've become and you're looking forward to moving forward in the process and, and ultimately joining the team. That's really the way you close. That's what, that's how you say, I want this job. Can I have this job? It's a soft way to demonstrate you want the job without being awkward about it. And you don't want to come off as too eager or desperate, right? If you're eager or desperate, it might send the wrong message. Like, oh man, this guy will take any job that's presented into him. I don't know if he's being real with us. They just need to know that you want the job. And because if they feel like you're disinterested or just going through the motions, they're not even going to extend an offer for you, to you. Just like dating you know, nobody wants to get rejected. And so th- if they don't feel it coming from you, they're not going to make you the offer. And that legitimately happens. Like where people interview and the person interviewing is like, yeah, I really thought this guy was great or this girl was great, but I just didn't think, feel like they're really interested. And they don't want to make an offer and then get a no. They'd rather extend it to someone who's going to say yes. And so just make it clear that you want the job, but just don't be weird about it. As you're going about this, One thing you want to keep in mind is this is all happening pretty quickly. So you want to do it within maybe 15 to 30 seconds. It might be something where they, you know, you ask your questions and then they're like, Hey, do you have anything else for us? That would be your cue to close. But a lot of times it's not really a natural thing for them to like probe you to ask you to close, but whatever you do, don't leave without closing. Like a lot of times, you know, when I was closing, I would get up, I'd be shaking people's hands, I'd be thanking them for their times, and then I would look them in the eye and, you know, be like, hey, I really think I'm great for this role. Here's one or two reasons why, and I'm really interested in moving forward in the process and joining this team. I think this team is great. You know, if you can do something like that in within 15 to 30 seconds while you're going to the door, that's great, and that's a really good time to do it, but just don't leave without it. You know, as veterans, you know, we're not sales people. We've never been in a sales role. Some of us, more naturally lend ourselves to sales roles, and that's great. But at the end of the day, it's kind of weird to close, especially if you've never been in sales before. But whatever you do, don't forget it. Remember, it's 15 to 30 seconds, smile, push through, make that last aspect that you're the right person for the job, you want the job, and you're ready to and, and, and looking forward to joining the team if you make that point clear, uh, you'll definitely close. And believe it or not, sometimes that is the difference. If they interview two people, one of them closed and one of them didn't, they know the one that did close is interested in the job. That could be the difference maker. So just remember that, like as you're going through this, make sure you close, but it doesn't have to be super long. It can be while you're walking out the door. A lot of times these interviews go right up to the the second that they they have to end because they've got to go interview someone else or you're interviewing with someone else next Whatever the case is, just make sure you close. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. This is the last episode of the interview series. So thanks so much for hanging in there. We're going to come back with another series next. I won't spoil it for you. With the details, but it will be about LinkedIn, how to leverage LinkedIn, not only as a veteran, but just how to leverage LinkedIn in general when you're trying to network and meet people before you get out. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming in the next couple of months. It'll take me a little bit of time to build that content, but I'm excited to build it for you. I've already started working on it and we'll be back with that soon. We close every podcast with my favorite quote. It's a Winston Churchill quote Success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. No matter where you are in this interview process, you're not going to win in every, every interview, and that's okay. You only need one to go well, and for you to get one offer, I had a buddy, who interviewed for roles throughout Charlotte. He was trying to get down to Charlotte uh, closer to where he was from and and, and uh, where he wanted to live long term. He interviewed for 65 different roles and the 65th one or 66th one, he finally got an offer and it was a role he was really interested in and he finally got it. So, you know, there, a lot of times you get a lot of no's. It's nothing personal. A lot of times it's just networking and and whatever the case is, you know, it doesn't mean you're not a good person or you're not a strong candidate. You might get a lot of no's, but you you only need one. And for those of you who have gotten your first rollout or get the first job you interview for, your success is not final. You know, I got out, I got a job, I thought it was going to be great. It turned out to not be what I wanted it to be. And I moved on. And so that success really was never final because I had to interview for another job and I had to build on the lessons that I learned the first time, the lessons I learned from other watching other veterans interview with me and apply all of that as I continue to move forward and ultimately bring what I hope is good and and actionable advice for all of you listening. So again, thanks for listening. This is the last episode of the interview series. We'll be back with more on LinkedIn. Excited to bring that to you guys. Uh, Again, this is Pat Bergstresser with the Transition Vet Coach podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com.